Welcome to another episode of The King of Networking. This is Alec McNair, the King of Networking himself, coming at you with another interview from a person in my world and my network. I was talking the other day uh, with a person that used to work for me about entrepreneurship. And I was saying that entrepreneurship kind of is a catch-all term for people that both like to start businesses Uh, Number two, like to be in charge of their own job and destiny. And then number three, like freedom. And not everyone has the same combination of those talents. Uh, And so you really have to suss out uh, which of those is you. And that was my advice to him that day. But I can think of nobody better in my circle to introduce you to than Eden Chen when it comes to entrepreneurship. He's a guy I've known for many years And in that time, he started multiple companies, a couple of organizations, and I just find the guy to be so impressive with his vision for what he wants to do. We talk a lot about living a life of service to other people, uh, the power of partnerships, and what it takes to start something fresh. He's the founder of Fisherman Labs, a creative agency that does all kinds of creative augmented reality work, lots of other things. Uh, He started a uh, direct sell through Amazon ramen company. He's the founder of Pragma, a video game platform for developers, which we'll get into. I'm just excited for you to meet the guy. So let's get right into it. This is my conversation with Eden Chen. I look forward to seeing your transition. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining today. I know it's uh, busy times for you and uh, I appreciate the time and what will come next. Me too, man. I love it. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Uh, So it's, I mean, A, there's, there's so many places we can go today. I mean, obviously we are um, in the middle of a global pandemic and um, in the middle of, I don't know. What would you call the last week and a half? Um, an, you know, awakening. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, an awakening about issues that I know um, you think a lot about and are conscious about and have, um, for me, it's an opportune moment to ask you, um, you know, both about your entrepreneurial uh, tendencies and the way you've done work in your career, uh, but also some of the intentionality I think you've, uh, you've used in your career about, uh, serving others, being an advocate for others, um, and uh, using your platform for others. And so I'm excited to hear a little bit more about what, what you have to say. Go, oh, man. Yeah, love love talking about that stuff. So I, I wrote a list of things that um, I think you're currently actively involved in. These aren't just things that like you um, support at a distance. You have a, a, a creative agency called Fisherman Labs. I know you're an active investor of, uh, uh, in companies on some level. I know that you are currently um, founding and at the beginning stages of um, building a company around a gaming platform, Pragma. I know that you are helping to shepherd a nonprofit to support quote unquote inner city kids as they learn social media as a, as a career skill. And I know that you are um, testing a Robin Noodle brand that we've talked about. Uh, I know that you're a relatively new father, maybe you're, you're a year in, so you're a pro now, but like that's still relatively new. Father, yeah. husband, I know you're active in your church. Um, maybe I've missed two or three things in there, but that's a ton of things. We're uh, expecting number two. Yeah. In, in September. 
High five, man. That's awesome. Little boy. So that's cool. The job, the job just exponentially increases. That's funny. Uh, (laughs) Well, how, how do you think about in this moment in time, your, you know, your career and the, the things you do for work and spend your time doing it? Do you have a, mental framework for that? Or are you uh, just taking it as it, as it comes to you? Yeah, I think you kind of talk about current, current situation. Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I, there's definitely like the, the questions I think that always, I'm always sort of, uh, wrestling with around like, you know, what does it mean to do meaningful work? Um, yeah. what does it mean to, do something that matters and I feel like I've I'm always trying to ask that question and I think I'm constantly failing um, at doing that in a lot of ways because and and you know I think the the most like clear maybe description is like mission drift I'm constantly drifting from from mission whether it be like yeah. I started this company because I wanted to do this um, and then over time that, so I think I'm always sort of dealing with that tension of, um, you know, what does it mean to do meaningful work and constantly drifting towards un- <laughs> work that isn't meaningful. Uh, yeah. and so I think like, it's funny. I, you know, when I started, um, Fisherman Labs, my, you know, what I always tell people is like, you know, I'd never run like a, a VC back company. Cause, yeah. um, you know, you lose control, you have these, you know, you're, you're not able to, you know, follow your mission, you know, you're, you're kind of chasing the moon, but you're not really like, you know, dealing with reality and, and yeah. it's all about the moonshot. And, you know, just said all this stuff about like VC back businesses are, are stupid and, that <laughs> kind of stuff. and, um, you know, and then there was a point of time where I was like, you know, I would really love to like do a hyper growth company at one point in my life just to just to give it a try and yeah see how it goes and then and then we raised money for pragma you know in december january and you know i i i found a justification behind like you know vc back companies are great because like you know they truly truly can be transformative and uh, <laughs> so you know it's it's and that even more to my point around like you know i think we 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 can justify the things that we do um very easily to sort of put ourselves into a place of like, this is what it means to yeah. do meaningful work. Yeah. Um, I, I also think you have a lot more rules for yourself, like in your early career, in your twenties about you, what you will and won't do. Yeah. I, I think when I was graduating college, I wrote a poem. Um, my old roommate Patrick will laugh at this because I wrote a poem about um, how I'll never work in a cubicle uh, mm. felt covered coffins. I think I wrote and then <laughs> no joke, like 24 years, uh, 24 months later, like, uh, I'm at a job in a, in a cubicle and like, and, and loving it. It's just funny how uh, prag- pragmatism and age kind of uh, let you be cool about some of those things uh, later in life. Right. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Yeah, but to, I guess to your question, um, I mean, I, I'm primarily spending most of my time on Pragma today, um, yeah. which is, you know, less than six months old. And some of the other stuff, you know, was stuff that I started before that, that primarily is like, uh, maybe I I'm setting the vision, but it's, I'm not involved day to day. Um, so even with, you know, the nonprofit and stuff like that, um, you know, 
was very, very involved early on getting it up and running, but now it's primarily just like, let me know where I can help. And, and I kind of slot in at those points. Same with fishermen. I'm kind of not, you know, I'm not there day to day. I, you know, right. I'm still, you know, there probably week to week, um, just hearing from how things are going, but, um, right. you know, the team just does a fantastic job without me, um, on a regular basis. So that's great. Yeah. That's a great testament to your managerial skills and, and, uh, and also just the ability to let go. <laughs> Not everyone can do that. It took me a while for sure. I, I'm definitely like, I can tend to be a control freak and um, I've just learned to let it go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how, uh, where did your um, entrepreneurial bent come from? Was that your upbringing? Is that something you kind of discovered over time? Did your parents? Um, I think there are probably a lot of different factors. Um, I guess my, my parents, my, my mom was a um, journalist uh, mm. and my dad is a musician. So in their own right, they're sort of, you know, independent in that way. Uh, and just, especially in the Asian, you know, tradition, you really don't have a lot of Asian people, at least professionally being journalists and musicians. So both those careers are very freelance culture, no matter what. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just very non-traditional, I guess entrepreneurship is becoming more traditional now, but at least when 10 years ago, when I started doing my own stuff, it was yeah. more like, and even at my age, it was like, you know, maybe you should have more work experience and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that culture maybe was, was sort of, you know, put in me through the household. I think I was also just really bad at being in a cubicle to your point. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, you know, so I, I, I originally wanted to be a pastor coming out of college mm. and my thinking was that I'll work two years uh, in a sort of quote unquote normal job where, you, you know, you go to a, you know, have a manager and all that kind of stuff. So I went and did investment banking and I, you know, worked there for two years and kind of said what you said in terms of just like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm definitely not going to do that. Um, yeah. You know, not just cause I, I just, for me there, I think there were like some key points of like, just really understanding what my priorities are. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I really like working hard. So, you know, the hundred hours a week in, in New York working investment banking, that, that actually really didn't bother me that much. Yeah. It was primarily really no understanding that flexibility was like probably my biggest, one of my biggest priori priorities when it comes to work. Um, mm -hmm. I like being able to, just say I'm done and I want to go, you know, on a road trip to, you know, wherever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah. I want to be able to, you know, take a walk with my family whenever, or just kind of turn it off when I want to. And um, yeah. with investment banking, you just are always tired to your phone. I remember just like uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, I like, I was just like, screw this. I'm going home to see my family for, for Thanksgiving meal. And uh, just the getting email. Uh, yeah, the nerve, right? Um, and I was on a bus on the way back to Maryland from New York and got an email that was like, we need you back in the office. And I was like, on the way back to Maryland. I was just like, I was just like, screw you guys. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to Maryland to have dinner with my family. Like, I'll see you on Monday or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, I, was, I think I was like, I'll see you on Saturday. Or so. It was like, it wasn't like, I came back and still did stuff, but I was like, I'm not going to come back, so... Yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. Uh, and so then you left investment banking and, and, and what did you do after that? 
Yeah, it was, uh, you know, so I had that revelation and, you know, I, th- I was thinking I was going to go to seminary after, um, and, um, uh, trying to think about the fact where I was in terms of the factors that, that pulled me away from that. I think like one thing I, I recognized was that I, I'm a huge fan of, um, the church and, um, you know, just having a, a space for community. And I, and I think, you know, obviously that's physical community is, is lacking in, in society as a whole. And, you know, you know, part of the reason why that is, is because of people moving away from the church. So I, I'm a, I'm a fan of the institution of the church in that sense. But, you know, I found that for me, the most exciting places for me were actually outside the church where um, I wasn't necessarily around other Christians. And I just realized if I was a pastor, my primary job would be, you know, being in a church and and, right. and working with uh, people that were going to church. And that just wasn't uh, interesting for me as a career, interesting for me as an attendee, but not as a full-time career. So sure. that was sort of what made me, and I, and I realized that working with other people too, I, I enjoyed just engaging with people from different backgrounds and right. that, that were just had different viewpoints than me. And uh, so the next thing I did was again, I, because I realized I'm not going into the ministry and I'm not going to work at another city group. Speaking of which city group, uh, I think their CEO had a great statement out on, uh, on this whole Floyd um, situation. Black, yeah. Black Lives um, Matter. Or... Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, which a was... good one. Like yeah. one of the few, I feel like there's one of the lots few of good ones. Yeah. Copy, copy and paste ones. Yeah. For, especially for, you know, a corporation of that size and whatnot. So, yeah. I don't know if I consider myself a Citigroup alumni. I guess I am, but um, I was yeah. I was proud of them for for doing doing that. That was cool. I feel like a, I feel like a lot of those. Um, not to go down a tangent, but I feel I feel like a lot of them are obviously saying the the right thing, trying to um, express what the collection of people uh, that work at that company are are feeling. And there's obviously nothing you know wrong with that. But the thing that uh, drives me crazy is like a copywriter and a marketing guy is right. a like if, if your marketing isn't tied to your actual business operations, then like it's hollow. Right, um, totally. But then even worse and more petty of me, which I'll fully admit is if it doesn't, if what you're saying has no connection to your actual business or the thing that you do, well, yeah. then, then it's not, it's not creative and, and expressive of, of your community of workers, employees at all. One of the best ones I saw was um, um, 23andMe which obviously is about uh, DNA and uh, they just wrote uh, this, the CEO wrote a great note about like, Hey, we all care about where we come from. And, uh, and one of the things we know because we're genetic scientists is that we're all 99.5% the same. And how horrible is it that 0.5% difference means such a different thing for people in our society. And we're going to, we're going to do our little part to help like fix that. And you're like, all right, like, well done. Like I had your business, man. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing when like, you know, there's like a moment of like, you know, doing this because it's cool. You know, that's why I think I've always appreciated Nike's marketing because yeah. I feel like they were doing a lot of the a lot of this type of Black Lives Matter work when people were like, that's that's too far in terms of like, you know, yeah. all lives matter and you know, Black Lives Matter is too far. Yeah. Uh, and Nike, you know, being a, you know, a massive corporation and easily, yeah. you know, easily pissing off a lot of people in their, you know, audience. Yeah. 
you know, they were willing to make a statement. And but now it's kind of like, you know, when 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 people all start coming out and saying stuff, then it's just like, are you just like doing it because you feel the pressure behind because of yeah. everyone else, or is there I real know. genuine care there? But you know, I, it's fine. I mean, I think the fact that people are talking about racism more in this country and just yeah. how we got here is, I think, is important. And I think in yeah. a lot of ways, it's a, it's net, a net positive. Yeah, it's it's an inflection it's an inflection point in a lot of ways. So that's good. But anyways, yeah. back back to your question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> realizing I didn't want to go work at a big company and realizing that I wasn't going to the ministry, I I kind of picked the first opportunity that came up that allowed me to start a business. And that's how, mm. how I started. So I started a hedge fund right after that. And the way that came about is that I I was trading with a bunch of friends when I was in college and we did really, basically we did really well and we had some press when we were in college. Mm. And so it was sort of the, let's get the, let's get the kind of friends together and, you know, get the band back together and let's uh, see if we can start something. So that was... Amazing. I actually did. I didn't know that. And meaning you were, uh, you were buying just securities of all types or specific stocks. What was it? What was the thesis of, you know, of the fund? Yeah. So it was kind of all over the place. So when we were in college, we did a form of trading that was probably more similar to programmatic trading. Mm -hmm. And we were looking a lot at, you know, big picture theses around like, uh, really around volatility. That was really like, you know, what we were focused on and, you know, but we also got interested in specific names. We did, uh, one of our guys had took on more of an activist approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up bankrupting a company later on called lumber liquidators. Wow. Uh, which is, a, uh, another kind of crazy story. So we did some activist stuff and we were kind of all over the place. There wasn't actually a, a, a consistent strategy. It's just more just like, let's find cool stuff and trade it. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. I mean, I'm sure we had like a better pitch deck at the time, oh, but I would suspect. Yeah. Yeah. But it was more like, let's find, you know, let's come up with good ideas and try to make money. <laughs> that's so funny. That's, yeah. I also feel like one thing that I've observed, after, you know, for knowing you for a couple of years is, um, you seem to a be really well connected. Um, I, whenever I look on LinkedIn, like the odds are 50, 50 that you're already connected to any person I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at, uh, a, I wonder if you think that's also true that you're excessively connected, but B it, it seems like you do a lot of projects, ventures, and all the things you've done with a group of people around you. It seems like you're really good at kind of either picking a team or, or having a consistent, um, I don't know, gr- group of people to kind of do all this together with is, is that been a, a steady group of people? Um, has that been, you know, you mentioned your, your friends you started the hedge fund with, how's that kind of, how's your quote unquote network of, of, of friends and people, um, influence your decisions? Yeah. I say like, uh, I, I've never been able to like do something on my own and, I think there are a lot of reasons for that um, that don't have to just do with like, can I practically do this task? I think for me, it's just, it's really not interesting for me to do something on my own. So I would never be a solo founder. I would be, I would give away half of the company to somebody that did nothing before I would, you know, work alone because it's just not, yeah. Like it's just not really interesting for me uh, when I, when I achieve something by myself. Yeah. So I think I, I think every venture I started, I've always in my mind had the question of like, who am I partnering with? Mm. And 
if I didn't find the person to partner with, I wouldn't have started the business. Um, mm. That's that's true for every business, including the nonprofits, everything. Uh, there was always somebody that I wanted to work with. That's cool. So I think, yeah, it's definitely been super important to me. Um, and I think it wasn't until probably I started Fisherman Labs, the agency side, that I that I maybe realized that this is something that I'm decent at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly speaking, if for, you know, if it, the more I've done self-reflection over the years, the more I've realized that I think because I'm Asian, uh, since we're talking about race, mm-hmm. I think subliminally speaking, even though I was, I was naturally good at quote unquote networking or, um, you know, meeting people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, in my mind, associated myself as being not good at those things because I'm Asian. Um, mm. and, um, is that a is that an Asian stereotype? Yeah, I think it's a stereotype, especially Asian men that uh, Asian men are introverts. Oh, that yeah. They're you know maybe lack leadership qualities. I think people said say like you know there are in any industry where there uh, requires sex appeal, Asian men are completely non-existent. So right. think about entertainment yeah. or politics. Um, I know there was a survey out that like showed the least desirable you know, dating uh, yeah. person, whether that be male or female. And if you looked at races and Asian men were, you know, on the lowest of that, that totem pole. And uh, yeah, so I, th- I think because, and, and even like comments that I've got from people, even when I started to, to, to network more, people were like, Oh, I always thought you were like more, qu- like more quiet. And I'm like mm-hmm. a total extrovert. Total. Um, so there, there is that deep perception that because, I look a certain way, uh, maybe I'm more quiet, even though I'm totally mm. not. So I, I <laughs> yeah. think I felt that obviously in a different way than, than the, the Black Lives Matter movement, but just understanding that people view me a certain way because of the way I look. Yep. And even the ways that that affected me in terms of not understanding that maybe that was something I was good at. So. Well, for the record, I find you quite attractive. <laughs> the sex appeal is crazy you guys can't see me but it's, it is yeah, oosing yeah. through the screen uh it's yeah. so funny well i mean the funny thing is is that um you know just the way we, we met is uh, i was thinking about that that we did one of the most la things you can do which is like meet at a friend's kid's birthday party right yeah totally yeah <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just funny because so so many people, um, especially young people that want to you know go break into the entertainment business or advertising or something um, that that talk to me, just have this innate fear of they're not doing enough and they're not networking enough and they're not getting out there enough. And the truth is, you just meet people where you meet them, and you just like make the most of it, and you just make friends um, and not quote contacts. And, totally, and, yeah. and I, I know if I told that to myself at 22, 23, 25 or whatever, I'd be like stressed out even just hearing that. Um, right. But the truth is it's, it's, it's real. And, um, and most people will go out of their ways to help you if you're, uh, if you're earnest and you uh, aren't trying to be something you're not and, um, and you just ask for help. And, and I'm, I'm saying that um, both to say it for any that I want to listen, get your take on that, but also to tell myself that in this season of me doing a little bit of exploring, one of the real things I've felt in self-reflection is this fear of looking needy for a, you know, for a job or a connection or, or right. even just embarrassed that I might want help at all. And, um, and having to conquer that has been one of my things. 
which to me is surprising because I think, you know, I think of myself as super, super confident and uh, extroverted, but even to be in this situation where I've put myself in a place to be a little bit vulnerable has been tough. And one of the many reasons I even want to have this conversation with people is to let, like, let, let people know it's okay to feel a little vulnerable. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally, totally feel that. And uh, I, I, you've run an agency before and I always, at least when we were first starting, like I was always like, well, when's, how are we going to get the next customer? And you just like always don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. And for seven years, it just kept coming in random places. Uh, always comes in random places. Yeah. So it wasn't like something I could really like formulaically figure out, uh, at yeah. least for me. It was just kind of like, eventually you do work, you do good work and you kind of talk to people and eventually like someone hits you up to do more work. <laughs> so sooner or later, someone has an emergency. And, right. Uh, and if you have some trust built, uh, they'll, they'll ask you to do it to save their, save their bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like, I mean, every, almost every company I've started has been in a completely different industry. Yeah. So like, you know, hedge fund it was in finance and then, you know, moving into software and then, you know, we did the food thing and, yeah. um, you know, nonprofit and living in a, you know, primarily African-American neighborhood. The games is a totally separate, you know, I'm working in games now and I've even felt that now in terms of like, I thought I made it, you know, I thought I, I thought <laughs> I was successful. And now I'm like, you know, trying to find, you know, just like trying to find like, who am I going to talk to in the games industry? Like, who wants to talk to me? It's like, who wants to talk to this guy that knows nothing, you know? <laughs> That's um, right. It's like, well, I play game. I played tons of games growing up, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's definitely like one of those things where you're always constantly, you know, no matter who you are, I think you're always like constantly in that mode of like, I don't know. Yeah. Yes and no though. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think the answer to the question of, you know, why would, why would you or, or myself or anyone um, kind of constantly choose new avenues or jobs or industries and the trite answer is like, I'm constantly curious. Right. Um, but I mean, there is something to that. I don't know. It's, uh, uh, it's, I'd be interested in, in, in why you think you've, you've done that way because there are a lot of people that are happy being focused in one area and, um, yeah. you know, whether that's uh, an artistic uh, dedication to craft and, you know, getting better at one thing or, you know, they're lifers at a certain company. I don't know. I, I feel like there are a lot of people that uh, that would be interested in the kind of work that 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 you do, but just won't do it. Um, yeah, but not yeah. putting themselves well, in I, different situations. Yeah, I think. I mean, part of it is like skill set. I feel like I, because I'm not good at any one thing, any like not super good at any one thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of like my skill set translates into. Or, you know, lots of different things. And so yeah. it's, it's not worth it for me to like focus on physics because I yeah. know I'm not good at, you know, I know I'm, I'm probably not going to be the best person at physics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, not that, I mean, anybody can learn anything. So I mean, not to say that you can't get better and, sure. um, you know, not to have that fixed mindset necessarily, but, you know, realizing that, you know, I can pick things up pretty quick and I'm very curious, yeah. like you yeah. mentioned, but I don't know. I, I, I haven't. I definitely have not like planned my career in the sense that like, oh, I'll get like this job, which will help me get to this job or like yeah. I'll get in finance so that I can get into software so I can get into games. And it's like, yeah. that's definitely not, it has not been pre-planned or um, there, there wasn't a lot of 
maybe thought around the structure of it. It was just like, I love games, played tons of games growing up. I think I know a lot about games. I've always wanted to play. I've always wanted to be in the games industry and I have a cool partner that I really respect. Who's, who's been in the game industry for a long time. Let's try, let's try doing this and see what happens. Do something that's funny. Well, let let's. Um, I want to dig into that. Um, I I know your partner there, um, and um, he's a neighbor and friend, and want to hear more about how that process um, has been, has been going. Um, but before that, let's uh, cut for a break, and we'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Next Level. Next Level is a training program, a nonprofit, actually started by Eden himself. Uh, he came to me and shared a vision a couple years ago where he sees uh, under-resourced youth uh, in his community in Los Angeles. And uh, when they are presented with job programs around uh, technology, it's usually around coding. And, and that's, that's definitely good and a good skill to have, but it's not for everybody. And he noticed that these youth, these youths, the young people, They're glued to their phones, and they know how to work the socials medias. And he thought, what if we gave them an intensive course to give them legit brand skills so they could translate their social skills into job opportunities? And so he started the organization Next Level, N-X-T-L-V-L. Like any millennial, he cut out all all the vowels. But he, uh, he started it and they started with the pilot program uh, this past spring where they had a class of young people, uh, mostly people late high school um, you know, and, and post high school, uh, that went through a intensive training program uh, to learn more about advertising, marketing principles and how you can apply social media chops to those things. And what they're really looking for now is uh, internships, spots, opportunities for those, uh, those people to go and put their skills to the test, uh, providing real job opportunities out of the gate. I've been a supporter of him uh, from the beginning and that vision. Uh, I referred a couple people uh, to that program. Uh, the person who did the teaching of that program was a guy I've known for a long time, Phil Jones, uh, McBeard, full screen guy, and uh, they're doing great work. And so if you are in the agency business, in the creative business. I know many people that listen to this uh, this show are that. Uh, go check out Next Level and uh, reach out to me. I'll connect you with Eden directly and make a difference. These are people who uh, wouldn't have this kind of shot otherwise. And uh, you can go uh, make a real difference by giving someone an opportunity. And if you don't uh, have an agency or you're not hiring, uh, you can certainly give a, l- a little bit of money to support the program uh, in the future. So uh, you can go to mcnair.com slash next level, N-X-T-L-V-L. I'll take you to the right website. Or again, reach out to me and I'd be happy to connect you. Now back to my conversation with Eden Chen. Welcome back. So we were talking about your current uh, company, Pragma. Uh, tell me a little bit, give me the, the elevator pitch on that. Um, I know you're partnered uh, with Chris Cobb there. Um, how did those conversations start? How did you uh, choose to become partners? And, um, and how is that process of starting a brand new company going um, versus the first time you did it? Uh, you know, what did you learn from that first time that you're, you're now putting into place? Yeah, I'd say... Uh... So how did it, how did it come about? Let's see. Um, I, uh, so I was, I was definitely looking for 
the next thing to do. So I, 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 you know, I'd done services for kind of six, seven years. I was, you know, part of the reason I got into uh, services is because I wanted to um, work on a, on a product um, and, mm-hmm. and really like cut my teeth and just learn more about, you know, what it looks like to, to build products, but not on my own dime kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, I was actively looking to, to, to start up something on the product side. Mm-hmm. And, and I had tried random things within Fisherman and every time it just failed. And, and, and I think my excuse was like, I think I just need to focus on, on something. Mm-hmm. Could have just been, they were all bad ideas and whatnot, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the excuse was like, I, I, I want to, you know, start a product and I think I need to, I, I need to focus. So I was looking for that person, you know, I knew it was probably, probably needed to be a technology company. And so it was probably a, a really long time. And, you know, I, Chris and I had been friends for years and I, I really, I had helped him a little bit with the fundraising of his last company. Hmm. And uh, we just kind of lost touch. Uh, we didn't, we hadn't talked for a while and I was at um, some nonprofit gala thing and he and his family happened to be there as well. And he came up to me and said, Hey, you know, I just sold my company and, and, and I said, Oh, we should get lunch. Uh, as, as you do not thinking yeah. really much of it. And so we got lunch and I, I was just, you know, I, in my mind, I figured, you know, usually when you, when your company gets bought, you usually have a vesting kind of thing and you're maybe there for four years or whatever. Yep. So I wasn't really thinking about, you know, part, I just wanted to catch up with him and see how he's doing. So yeah. we got lunch and he was, you know, basically I'm not going to get into the details of what happened, but basically he was at a place where he, he, he could leave. And, um, and you know, again, that was, it was definitely on my mind. So I was just like, Hey, we should, you know, chat about maybe doing something together. Cause I already, we, we knew each other. And, uh, and in the biggest thing, the biggest issue that he ran into when he was running his last company was fundraising. And I just knew because of, um, again, I knew I was pretty good at the networking stuff. Yeah. I was like, I can raise money. I, that's if I can do anything, I can raise money. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so let's, you know, figure out what we want to do and then I'll raise the money and you can be the tech person. And so I think at that point we were, we were like, okay, that seems like a good fit. I mean, it seems like a good fit. He was like, I hated doing that stuff and I'd happily pass all the business stuff to someone else. And so the skill set was there, the trust was there because we had known each other for a long time. And then it was mainly yeah. about like, what are we going to do? And um, it started off like, you know, I played, so I was one of the top 10 Warcraft players in the, uh, in the US uh, when I was in high school. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, so man. I, I, my grades were, you know, really bad in high school. But, um, <laughs> of course. So I, I was a deep, you know, video game player. Uh, yeah. I knew that space really, really well. And and he was very interested in making games. Obviously, having work, come from Riot Games and right. um, you know started his own studio. So the the most obvious thing was we'll just start a video game. And we wanted to do something in edu- We thought like let's do something in education because then it, it aligns with our our passion to do good in the world. And yeah. you know, first question that comes to my mind is practically speaking. Okay, we have to build like a budget for this thing. Like, how much is this going to cost? How long is it going to take us? And in that process, um, you know, I started to realize that games are very difficult because you're really starting a content business, which is like basically like a movie when you think about like 
you know, all the animation yep. and art and things that need to go into that. Yep. And you're starting a platform, which is uh, almost like a social media business. Like you need the concept of an account. If you, if you want to do a multiplayer game, you're right. really looking right. at like, you're starting Facebook with all of its social features like chat and, you know, yeah. friends and different things like that. And then you're starting, you know, X movie. And, and that's why very few multiplayer games are ever made because the, you know, it's hard enough to do one of those things. Well, to do both of them is nearly impossible. Yeah. And so, you know, I reached out to a bunch of larger studios that had started multiplayer games and just asked, we started, both of us started talking to, and he had a lot of space in this, in this field. I didn't, I was like, well, there's gotta be something like we can use, or there's gotta be someone else that's doing this. Yeah. And he was like, no, there's, he knew there was nobody doing this, but I was like, that's, that's impossible. It can't be. Yeah, yeah, that's, that can't be. So I started talking to people and asking them like, Hey, you know, um, what did you do for your platform? Because that's the most generalizable part of this whole thing. The content stuff right. is all unique. And every single one of them had the same like responses of like, um, you know, we wanted to use a third party platform. Uh, there are existing platforms out there, but there were kind of two major issues. One, they all use something called like a managed service type thing, mm-hmm. which is basically when you're like hosted on their cloud, um, which is for games pretty much impossible to do because every game is so unique. You can't just use someone else's infrastructure. You need something that you can customize. Right. And um, secondly, none of them could scale um, beyond like a thousand players. And, you know, as a multiplayer game, if you don't have over a thousand players, you're not, you can't. It doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I was, and and the more and more I got that feedback, the more and more I was like, oh, how how much money did you spend building your own, rolling your own platform? And people would be like, oh, it was like between five and $40 million. And, you know, (laughs) so it's like, this seems like a, people are spending like five to $40 million and every single time it's custom built and there's not a solution on this side, there's probably a business. And Chris is one of the best, like just happened to be one of the best platform engineers in, in games in the world. Oh, I was man. like, and he, but the thing is for him, he was so passionate about games. So yeah. there really needed to be a, Hey Chris, like you're one of the best platform engineers in the world in games. This is a huge problem in games. Like yep. I think this is a better business than like, starting a game <laughs> so <laughs> um so there was a process there and, and he had thought a lot about it and I mean, yeah, of course yeah. like he knew more about the space like i said than i did but it was for me it was more just like i think it's a better business let's let's maybe focus on this and um that's uh you know talking through it a lot and 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 then we went out to really raise try to raise some money i originally we weren't going to raise money but the more and more we were like platforms are really hard and really expensive to get off the ground. Right. We're like we, we probably need to raise some money for this. And so we, we started to go through that process and started to get really good feedback on the concept. And, and, and it, it was just a moment in time where live services like Fortnite and, um, yeah. you know, you had multiple games that had sort of crossed the 10 year mark, like league of legends yeah. and world of Warcraft and, um, and historically speaking, everyone had thought games were, were primarily um, just content businesses. They weren't service-based um, in terms of being able to have some type of subscription or anything like that. Right. And that was really changing at the moment that we started raising money. So we were able to close in like, I don't know, less than like four weeks or something like that. It was a crazy blitz. and um, That's yeah. unbelievable and rare and just great timing. It was perfect timing. You know, games have probably got gotten more popular since COVID for obvious reasons. 
Yeah. But funding is definitely dried up for, especially for larger uh, seed round deals. In fact, I don't even know if our, I don't think our, our lead fund has done another seed deal since I think we were the last one. Wow. Uh, I think I, I, I haven't looked or anything, but I, I haven't seen any announcements. On, there's, there's not a lot of announcements on like large seed deals in this like, environment across the board. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's funny. And how, um, and how many people are on the, on the team now? And yeah, so we have five people on the team now, um, okay. four engineers and myself because yeah. I engineer that isn't allowed in the code base at all. You're engineer adjacent. Yeah. Engineer adjacent. And everyone is a ex rioter. Right. Oh, uh, at least they, they worked at riot at one point. Yeah. Um, so another situation where it's, it's, it's kind of getting the band together for those guys. Um, plus me. Um, and so it's been really cool, man. It's been, it's been really cool to see them, you know, who have worked together before get back together. And, and honestly, like I, I've never worked with such an excellent team in terms of, in a lot of different facets. I mean, a lot, a lot of the teams I've worked with have been great in different ways, mm-hmm. but in terms of just the professionalism and excellence that these guys bring, it's, it's really impressive. Like, um, and I'll just give you one quick example because yeah. it's, this is completely unrelated to the actual job stuff, but it's, it's just something you notice. So I have an employee handbook, um, from Fisherman Labs and I, uh, you know, obviously just copy that employee handbook and, replicated most of it, swapped out some yep. names, whatnot. And, um, you know, I tried to make some edits to try to make it more appropriate for, for the, uh, you know, for the business that I'm in, but, you know, I was distributing that out and the you know, lawyers have looked through it and all that stuff. And, um, you know, every single person that I distributed that employee handbook to at Pragma has come back with, you know, here's, this is a spelling error, uh, <laughs> you know, clause 4.2, you know, as forced arbitration in there, which is a hot topic today. Um, you know, because forced arbitration is, you know, things that tech companies are moving away from blah, 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 blah. And not even things that, you know, they were complaining about or, you know, or were super concerned about, but just like, you know, these guys, they do things with such excellence. They, they, they actually, you know, it's like for me, if I would get them play handbook, I'm just like, all right, let's just sign this thing. Let's right, go let's go. right in the trash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, it's just an example. I mean, it's just stupid, small example, but I'm like, man, these guys, you can feel the, the intensity of like every single thing is, you know, every, you know, every single thing is dotted and eyed and, and, and so, yeah, it's crazy. I wonder if that has to do too with um, just the, the the pretense of the company you're building being one that's kind of built for huge you know huge growth if it takes off and it, you know it, gro- it grows really quickly both in you know terms of usage revenue team size all of that and I've been thinking about that too because I've been doing some reflection on my own company which is very much like Fisherman Labs which we were you know, at the beginning, very scrappy. Um, we didn't okay. have any job titles. Um, we, we, bare, we didn't even hire people. We just, they were freelancers to start. Um, right. we would, we would, uh, we would tell people our first couple of people, like, uh, we don't have a full year's worth of salary for you, but we hope to, uh, I mean, right. that, that was our hardcore sell. Yeah. Um, that happened to work and we never did like employee manuals or anything like that because we kind of wanted to operate, um, you know, not outside the law or any kind of like legal expectation, but because 
we just wanted to trust each other and um, right. you know, manuals quote unquote were, uh, you know, about compliance and yeah. not um, freedom and trust. Right. And so, uh, but if I was going to work for uh, or start, uh, you know, something that wasn't quite as, you know, scrappy at the beginning and trying to be built for growth, how would I instill that same degree of trust and freedom and, you know, not trying to micromanage anyone, but also have all your bases covered. So I've been thinking about that a lot too. So it's interesting you bring that up. Yeah, no, I mean, that's probably like the things that have been the most efficient because I've done the whole, you know, legal documents and all that stuff. And um, I think I, I, I can do that stuff because I've done it before. Whereas like, you know, when I first, same thing when I first started Fisherman, it was like tons of contract. There was tons of legal stuff happening, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you're just like not really, you know, worried about it. You're just trying to survive another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, totally. I mean, uh-huh. we were so, we were so bad at it that when full screen came to acquire us and we, you know, we got serious in that process. Um, we had, we had a lot of clients that we had no contract with. Right. It was just yeah. a handshake. And Alan yep. would always make the joke that our, our lawyer was a, uh, an old copy of uh, 12 angry men. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, uh, and it's probably a personality types of engineers too, as well, and all that kind of stuff. But um, like, we have a a, a Excel spreadsheet of every single login point, and whether and all the access controls for each of them, including like, is two factor authentication, you know, authorized, where would there be black back um, backdoor loopholes in terms of being able to get into this. We have mm. every single service we use is rated on a security uh, mm. like in a, for for security in terms of like, you know, what is Slack's you know security rating uh, based off of their reputation and you know their security controls and whatnot. You know, so it's it's intense, man. There's as an infrastructure product, um, it is intense. Every single thing has been like thought of that. You know, for us, we were just like ah, whatever, like. Yeah. Um, you know, access controls. Everyone has access to the drive. There's no, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Dropbox for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's been a very much not that uh, uh, for this, but, but it's, the team's been amazing, man. They're, they're, fi- they're firing on, on all cylinders. And um, we were super lucky. I think a big concern with uh, COVID and everything was that every single one of our engineers could get jobs that, uh, paid them multiples of what they're getting paid, mm. you know, with us at big tech companies. Um, yeah. So, you know, what we were worried about is because of the fear in the market and whatnot, people would, would just elect to go work at Google or Facebook or yeah. Microsoft or whatever. And, you know, it's just, it really speaks to these, the passion that these guys have for what we're doing for them to say, I'm going to turn down the Amazon salary and, and, and come and try to do something that I feel like will really shape this industry. And so I think that's, that's already created a lot of just culture in that, but we were concerned very early on on like, can we hire the best platform folks in the world, which is really what we need for this type of product. And, um, you know, when they, when we can't pay them, when Amazon could pay them, we just don't have that money. So yeah, um, that's, uh, it's, that's been very encouraging. The fact that we were able to put together that team and just to see really why, you know, these guys are, you know, what they are in terms of like world-class um, infrastructure guys. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Let's take one more quick break and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll finish up. 
This episode also brought to you by Sneaky Sasquatch, uh, one of the many games available to you on Apple Arcade, the subscription service only on the Apple App Store. Sorry, all you Androiders. Uh, Sneaky Sasquatch is a ridiculous game, and I wanted to share it with you um, because part of Eden's story is being in the business of video games. And if you like Sasquatches, and especially Sasquatches that go fishing, race cars, steal food, play around a golf, uh, slalom skiing, uh, get an office job, hey, maybe they run for mayor. All these crazy things happen in the game Sneaky Sasquatch. You know, we've all been looking for things to do and fill the time uh, during lockdown the last couple of months, and both I and my kids have loved playing Sneaky Sasquatch on our iPads and iPhones, and it's been a ton of fun. You should definitely check it out. Uh, And that and many other games are available on uh, Apple Arcade, uh, which is $5 a month uh, for unlimited use of all those games uh, for one low, low price. I don't have a link or anything. I just like the game and wanted to share it with you. So uh, I'll say it one more time, lest ye forget, check out Sneaky Sasquatch. Now back to the show. Well, great. Um, like I said, thanks for um, thanks for doing this. It's been good to catch up and uh, good to hear more about um, Pragma, which I actually haven't heard much about, and um, and you know just good to connect with you uh, with friendly faces in uh, interesting times. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so thanks for that. You know, parting shots. Uh, you know, part of the reason I'm doing this is uh, because I find myself in the middle of a, a transition, and I think a lot of people find themselves in transition these days. Um, either of their own choosing or, or otherwise, you know, I, I know because you've had some success in a couple of different areas, I think you, you have a chance to talk to people about how they navigate transitions in their life and how they you know, set themselves up for, uh, for success or, uh, or at least a, a thoughtful approach to what they do next. I don't know. Uh, what, what thoughts do you have for me and, and for others as they kind of navigate this time and in, in their careers? Yeah, I think like, I think blanket advice is so difficult because everybody's different. Of course. Um, and so someone, you know, my career path is very um, just weird. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't like necessarily say to everyone, like go and, you know, follow your passion and go, you know, whatever, to be an entrepreneur or whatever. Like I, I think most totally. people probably would hate being an entrepreneur. It's like, you know, way more risk than taking a job. It's, generally way lower pay it's you know if you look at just like the risk reward curve i think google facebook microsoft those companies have optimized for being a better outcome than <laughs> than an <laughs> entrepreneur that's um, yeah like you, if you just like like value the the take the risk of you know taking a job at one of those companies or almost any company versus like starting your own company yeah. it's going to be a really bad uh, outcome for, for most people. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd say like, I think in general, like a principle that I've always like, you know, really a couple principles I've always really stood by are, um, one, just this concept of just constantly being curious about learning. Um, and I think like, even for me, when I hire, I am most interested in how, how curious someone is, um, more so than, you know, how smart someone is, or even like how well they do X or Y or whatever it is. Um, if, because great 
people that uh, great em employees and great entrepreneurs, I think are all going to be like extremely curious about learning. And I think really that can be, it's not like, and I think the second principle, which, you know, works very well with that one is having that growth mindset of, you know, a lot of people I think are like, oh, like you're just naturally curious um, yeah. or you're just naturally this way. And therefore, like, I can't be that way. And I think having that mindset of like, you know, you can wake up and actually um, have a process for curiosity or, or um, you know, motivate yourself to be um, curious by um, asking yourself que certain questions or taking taking a certain um, pathway to you know more curiosity. So having a more of a growth mindset in that in that sense, and then I think like doing, I, I think what I mentioned earlier on in terms of doing meaningful things, um, and yeah, I think like whether it be like you know the the nonprofit that you know about or even like the companies that I've started it's always been that tension of trying to trying to wrestle with that, but it's always kept me very engaged in those things because, you know, I view them as having some type of a, a mission in, in terms of like, Oh, we're shaping the games industry or, um, yeah. or we're changing a kid's life by, you know, providing them an opportunity or whatever it might be. So, you know, I think those are, I don't think you have to be an entrepreneur you could do anything, but just if you're, taking certain principles in mind. And I think everyone has different principles too. So I think it's important for people to sit down and think about like, what are the yeah. things that matter to me? Um, like I said, for me, it was flexibility, not money. So like, yeah. I didn't need to get paid a lot. I could just, as long as I had my, I owned my own schedule. Um, I was cool. You know, I could live in a, you know, small crappy house or whatever. And, yeah. um, but you know, if I would, or live in a mansion, if I was living in that mansion, but I was, you know, I, I didn't have any flexibility, I would have been miserable. So right. just trying to figure out, taking some time to really think about those things and then having that really shape the way that you work and, and think about trajectory. That's awesome. Well, um, I uh, since I we first met, I've been um, really impressed by you and inspired by the way you uh, navigate uh, a bunch of different interests. And even uh, even today, uh, I, I learned things I didn't know. I didn't know you were such a massive Warcraft uh, enthusiast so <laughs> yeah okay. if only I, I hit it during the time when players were actually making money making money <laughs> well i think it's worked out okay for you um, <laughs> that's awesome well good to catch with you I, I appreciate the time and um appreciate the advice as always and of course i wish you and, and chris the best of luck and you and your wife too that's incredible i didn't uh uh round two come on round two yeah i'm uh not looking forward to uh the the newborn face yeah but hey life goes on we just that's part of it to... awesome we'll have a good rest of your day uh we'll uh we'll catch you soon thanks yeah great chat man thanks so that's my conversation with eden chen a chance encounter in the la kids birthday scene uh, leads to uh, a near decade of uh, conversations and encouragement and uh, inspiration uh, back and forth between two entrepreneurs. If I can call myself an entrepreneur, uh, I, I certainly aspire to be one like him. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, you can certainly rate and uh, give us a comment uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, this is six episodes in. I'm having a great time. Hope you are too. A lot more interesting conversations coming. Lots more people to talk to in the worlds of 
VC and creativity and agencies. Uh, I have a really great uh, person in HR coming up that you're going to love. But none of this happens without help, and so I want to continue to shout out uh, Chris Billings, uh, who did the music for The King of Networking, who continually sends me new clips and new little stingers and things like, oh, I thought of one other thing. And he's really been helpful to make this podcast sound so great. And of course, uh, thanks to Jason Crow, who uh, I found through a referral from uh, Talitha Baker, and uh, he has been so helpful in taking my raw recordings and making them sound great. So thanks a lot, Jason, for the work you were doing uh, on this podcast. Until next time, thanks for joining. This has been Alec McNair.